Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Anna Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Ohio Politics Explained, the no permit, no problem edition. This week, we are talking about the latest sets of maps to come out of the redistricting commission and whether the May primary is now a pipe dream. While you probably won't need a permit to carry a concealed weapon anymore, Ohio's reaction to the invasion of Ukraine and the latest legislation and lawsuits around abortion. Co-piloting with me this week is Jesse. Redistricting is now my life, Walmart. Welcome back to the show, Jesse. Thank you. This is the song that never ends, and I am your captain. (laughs) Yeah. So let's get started. Redistricting is the topic that we all just can't get away from these days. The seven-member redistricting commission passed its third set of state house and Senate maps and their second set of congressional maps. And now we wait to see what the Supreme Court thinks. Correct. As we're recording, uh, the Ohio Supreme Court hasn't yet weighed in on these latest set of maps. So the state house maps, they got them down to something that's much closer proportional. Republicans say it's about 54 Republican, 45 Democratic, and 18, 15 in the Ohio Senate. Democrats would argue that that's smoke and mirrors and that a lot of those Democratic House seats and Senate seats are just barely Democratic and and easily winnable by Republicans. So we'll see what the Ohio Supreme Court has to say about that. And then shortly after, we passed a congressional map that would be 10 seats for Republicans and The GOP would say five seats for Democrats. Two of those seats are pretty competitive. The one in the Cincinnati area connecting Cincinnati and Warren County, and then also the seat currently held by Marcy Kaptur up in the Toledo area. Yeah. And so if the court tosses one or both of these, is the May primary pretty much done? It seems like the May primary would be toast if either of these were rejected, in part because we're just so late in the game. There are so many deadlines that these Poor election officials have already (laughs) seen come and go, and they're really under the wire to try to get this up and running in time for May 3rd. There's another important deadline. uh, The military and overseas ballots are supposed to go out by March 18th. Now Ohio's seeking a waiver for that, and so we'll see what happens there. But without these maps, we don't know where to tell people to vote. We don't know which representative you're supposed to be voting for. And, you know, it's hard to have an election without knowing what you're voting on. Yeah, you can't have an election without districts. Correct. And so if the Supreme Court rejects one or both of these maps, we're going to be in a bit of a pickle. Yeah, for sure. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So our second topic is about the Second Amendment. 
Republicans sent a bill to Governor Mike DeWine this week that would eliminate the need for a concealed carry permit. Right now in Ohio, you can open carry any weapon you're legally allowed to own, but if you want to put it in your jacket or your purse, you have to pass an eight-hour safety training, a background check, and be issued a physical permit. So Republicans say that's not right. That's not what the Second Amendment is really supposed to be, so they passed a law to get rid of that process. Democrats and a lot of law enforcement groups say that's a really bad idea, that like being 21 and legally allowed to own a gun isn't enough training to carry it with you. Yeah. And this is a conversation we've been going back and forth on for quite some time. So it's interesting that it's finally heading to Governor Mike DeWine's desk. I think most people would assume he's going to sign it um, based off of just past campaign promises and and the fact that he also signed a stand your ground bill previously. So but you're in a position where you know, you're you're putting kind of the Second Amendment rights folks versus the police officers, both of which are traditionally Republican stronghold kind of support. So you have, you know, different people arguing that maybe are not used to arguing over. Yeah. Some of the Democrats during the debate were like, aren't you supposed to be the party of back the blue and law enforcement, like not universally, but like in large is saying, please don't do this. Yeah. And Ohio's had these rules in place for, for several years now requiring this training. And, you know, there are various organizations that host this training that probably, you know, benefit financially from offering this to Ohioans. And I think the argument is it helps to give people some insight about where and, and how they can carry their concealed weapon. And there's a little bit of like firearms training on how to actually to fire a weapon. And so that is helpful for people who are holding these weapons. Obviously, the counterpoint that the Republicans put forward is that the Second Amendment shouldn't be restricted in this kind of way. Yeah. And the other big thing that changed in this bill is what's called the duty to notify. So like right now, if you're holding a concealed weapon and an officer approaches you, you're supposed to tell them. It's just sort of like basic like, hey, I have a gun on me. Like, don't freak out. Um, but the burden has always been on the person with the weapon. Now the burden will be on law enforcement if this becomes law that they will have to ask. And unless they ask, you don't have to tell. But one big change they got in the bill was that if you lie, it will be a crime. And that was something that like the Buckeye Sheriff's Association, for example, was really asking for. And that moved them from opposition to neutral. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think this particular part of the bill is what Uh, police officers and various organizations supporting police officers have a problem with. They're saying, you know, we want people to notify us if they have a firearm and, you know, just walking up to a car or a person's home and not knowing what scenario they're getting themselves into can be potentially dangerous. Yeah. So our third topic is Ohio's reaction to the Ukrainian invasion. So a bunch of stuff has happened. Governor DeWine pulled Russian vodka from liquor store shelves. State lawmakers unanimously passed resolutions to contempt Russia's actions. Attorney General Dave Yost told Ohio's five public pension funds that they had, quote, a moral imperative to divest their Russian financial holdings. It's like all the substantive and symbolic things that they can think of. They just want to, like, throw at this issue. Yeah, I think the entire world is looking at Russia and Ukraine right now and and just... I think particularly with Ohio having a large Ukrainian population in the city of Parma up near Cleveland, there's a desire to show that support, to show the people of Ukraine that there are people on the other side of the globe in Ohio thinking of them and also uh, to throw whatever sanctions or or penalties or roadblocks up they can on Russia, whether that be, you know, the vodka or 
Ohio State, you know, taking their robots offline. (laughs) So just lots of little ways that they're trying to show that support. And I don't know if this is going to be crippling, certainly for Russia, but it's, you know, the heart of the matter, I suppose. Yeah, like the Bureau of Workers' Compensation has $25 billion in assets, and they said they got about $30 million in Russian holdings. So, I mean, $30 million is substantial, but when you're talking about, like, total value of the Russian economy, it is still, like, small. Mm-hmm. I think the desire is that, like, other states or other countries, if it, if it kind of yeah. builds, it's adding this pressure. And so everyone is kind of doing their part. That being said, it sounds like these pension systems are kind of hard to turn around. There's, like, a lot of you know, decisions and decision makers involved. So it's not like they can just kind of drop a hat and take these Russian investments out. Yeah. Our fourth and final topic is abortion. So we had one new bill introduced this week and one lawsuit ruling challenging the implementation of another. So on the lawsuit front, a judge ruled in favor of the two Southwest Ohio abortion clinics, right? Correct. So what happened here is there was a law that Ohio lawmakers passed and DeWine signed in December, which would add a few more requirements for doctors who sign off on variances. And abortion clinics need variances if they can't get a local private hospital to say, you can come here with patients in case of emergency. So both of the Southwest Ohio abortion clinics, Women's Med in Dayton and Planned Parenthood of Southwest Ohio in Mount Auburn in Cincinnati, they are operating under these variances, essentially exceptions to law. And the exceptions require a number of doctors to sign off and say, hey, we will help in the case of an emergency. Emergency. But the change in law said that those doctors cannot be affiliated with medical schools or like medical, like instructional at public universities. And that's a problem, particularly for women's med in Dayton, where some of the doctors are affiliated with Wright State's um, medical school, but it could be an issue for the Cincinnati Clinic as well. And so the Department of Health started to, to enforce these restrictions yeah. and kind of pull back on those variances early and the court. And so the the clinics and kind of their supporters went to court to try to stop them from prematurely enforcing this law. It'll be interesting whether when this law does take effect later in March, whether they'll just be able to go forward. So it might just be like a temporary halt. So right now, right now it's a temporary halt. And this is significant because there are only two abortion clinics in Southwest Ohio. The next closest one is in Columbus. And then the remaining three are in the Cleveland area. So if you are a person trying to obtain an abortion in Cincinnati or Dayton or that entire area, if those clinics were to close for surgical abortions, you would be required to drive to Columbus and because of waiting rules, potentially multiple times. And so that is what the clinics would like to avoid. On the other side, lawmakers said they passed these laws because they would like to try to prevent any sort of public connection to the to the procedure of abortion. Yeah, and the the new law that has been introduced by Senator Steve Huffman, it basically is in response to some pandemic rule changes. So like throughout the pandemic, we've all moved towards more remote work, more remote medical care, even more remote prescriptions. And in February, the Food and Drug Administration lifted its requirement that abortion pills be picked up in person. And Steve Huffman, who is staunchly pro-life, was like, well, then Ohio is going to require that you have an exam before you can get these pills. Like, basically, you have to come in in person and get an exam. Correct. And he's saying, you know, this is a rule that was helpful or beneficial before, and so Ohio should have it now. 
I think on the other side, advocates would say that there are already requirements in Ohio law that they do some of these things or, you know, be present in certain circumstances. And some of uh, the language change would like require them to be notified that, you know, of how fetal remains are disposed of afterwards because we have that other Ohio law looking at either burial or cremational fetal remains. So, you know, are we just adding more hurdles or, you know, information for individuals? So it'll be interesting how this one proceeds. And one more thing before you go. We talk a lot on this podcast about the Republican primary race between Mike DeWine and Jim Renacci, but there are other candidates running for governor. And one of them is Republican Joe Blystone. And Jesse wrote a super fantastic profile of him this week for our subscribers. And I'm just going to read the lead because I love it. So Canal Winchester area farmer Joe Blystone doesn't know how to be a politician, but he's running for Ohio governor anyway. Yeah, it was really great to get to sit down and talk with Joe Blystone, who's really kind of an outsider candidate for Ohio governor on the Republican side and just had a lot of really fascinating quotes. And you'll find out why he wears a cowboy hat and and wants to be the cowboy candidate for Ohio governor. And he loves John Wayne. He does. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the New Philadelphia Times Reporter. That's timesreporter.com. 